Welcome to our voices, our dreams, our wellness. Today we have a very special guest, Monica Nepomuceno. She is an amazing Latina who talks about important transcendental issues in a very heartful manner. She is very proud of her heritage, very humble, super nice. Monica, welcome to our voices, our dreams, our wellness. Gracias, Ophelia. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. Es un honor, Monica. Mrs. Nepomuceno, tell us about yourself. Well, I am a social worker. I am a proud graduate of Sac State. I've been diagnosed with ADD late in my life, and so school was not easy. Uh, I am the first in my family to have obtained a master's degree, so that makes me very proud. I feel like I have paved the way for my nieces, my nephews, and now my daughters, and I am passionate and committed to helping students. I myself live with anxiety and have lived with anxiety for many, many years, undiagnosed, untreated. I didn't know what I was experiencing. And I can remember back in, in time, a number of years, to back to when I was nine years old, when I really started feeling those symptoms of anxiety. And it was right around 1979 when it was, I believe, President Carter, when there was a war that was imminent. My brother was in the military. And I remember hearing my parents talk about the dangers that he was in, if there should be a war. And I remember that was one of the things that contributed to my anxiety. Now, in retrospect, as a young child, I really didn't know what, what was going on. And so I really just kind of lived my life always feeling like there was a pot of boiling water in my stomach and traveling throughout my limbs and not being able to fully relax. And it wasn't until I was well into my 30s that I actually had my very first panic attack. I was finishing up my master's degree. I was working full time. I was teaching a dropout prevention course. I had just bought my house and it all started kind of piling up on my shoulders and I couldn't breathe and I got in the shower you know thinking that this would help me it didn't so I called my mom who lived next door to me because as Latinas we want to stay close to home <laughs> I bought the house right next door to my mom and dad and I am just so thankful that my older sister happened to be there visiting my mom because my mom she sort of dismissed what I was feeling I said can you please come over and she said for what I said I'm not feeling well I feel like I can't breathe. I'm really, I don't know what's happening to me. So my sister and her came over. They made me a tea. They sat with me. And that was my first experience of a panic attack where I thought, I don't care what happens right now. I don't care if I don't graduate. I don't care if I quit my job. I don't care about anything. I just want to be able to breathe. I want to live. And so there was where my journey started, really acknowledging and doing some self-reflection and some research about what really was going on. And so all these years, 21 years living with anxiety, unaddressed, undiagnosed, untreated. And somehow I pulled through. And so that's where my passion comes from, is that I want to be able to put things in place, create a system so that we could identify what I refer to as those young Monicas, right? That yeah. don't know what's happening. So many of us are living with anxiety and have for so many years, and yet we still pull through. And I often stop to wonder what my life would have been like had there been systems in place? Had my teachers known some of the signs and symptoms of anxiety and had they reached out to support me? I think about the quality of life that I may have had if I had learned coping skills at an early age. But that was my 
journey. And so that's how I feel has brought me here. The silver lining of your experience is that you decided to continue helping people and putting systems in place. What do you think this pandemic has brought us? What's the wake up all? What did we learn? First and foremost, that mental health is a fundamental base to everything else that we do. It is equally important, as we have been saying, to physical health, right? We, Those of us have been doing this work for a long time, have wanted parity, have wanted people to focus, systems to focus on mental health just as we do as physical health. And you're absolutely right, Ophelia. The silver lining is that mental health was put at the forefront. Mental health was elevated, even so much so that we've had funding like we've never had before, historically, right? There's never been so much money that's been poured into mental health as there has been this past year. And, and so it, it's a great opportunity for us to uplift what we've been doing to build an infrastructure that's really going to support students, that we're going to be able to make accommodations for those students who continue to struggle, right? So many people kept saying, let's go back to normal. We would hold webinars and things of that nature. And a lot of the comments in the Facebook portion of the training was, if you want to get rid of all these mental health issues, get kids back in school. And that couldn't be anything further from the truth because our normal wasn't working before. It wasn't like the pandemic brought on all these issues. It brought them on for some people. It exacerbated them for others that were already dealing with this, right? Whether it was anxiety, depression, isolation, eating disorders, lots of other things. So it did bring that to light that we need to address our mental health issues first and foremost if we want our students to be successful. On one hand, you talk about putting infrastructures to put systems in place. On the other hand, you say we need to have the connection. We need to see students in a different way. Tell me more about that. I think we put way too much emphasis and value on what students are going to be instead of who they are right now. I, I think both at home and in school, we place a value and we correlate the value of a student depending on their grade and on their attendance. Instead of saying you are valuable and you are worthy just because you are, because you come along with your own experience. They might not be as extensive as yours and mine because we're older and so we have a little bit more experience, more years under our belts, but they have very unique experiences that they could teach us about. And so we need to really shift that and not think of the value of who they're going to be, but who are they at this moment? What do they bring to the table? What are they comprised of? You also mentioned that this pandemic helped us to start looking at people as persons. You talk about connecting. Activity. How is that important? Good relationships, they're just critical to everything that we do. Connecting, even when we connected, we felt each other's aura, if you will. We felt each other's energy. And sometimes in school, we don't take that time to feel a student's energy because we're so worried about checking off the list, making sure they're doing their assignments, making sure that they're getting good grades on that, that we forget that connection. And there's also an assumption that teachers and educators and school staff have this this natural ability to build and maintain relationships when sometimes, yes, that is an innate skill, but other times it has to be fostered and built. And I 
am a firm believer that by building and maintaining relationships, you're opening an infinite amount of opportunities to collaborate and to make an impact. And that's really important because the world is built on relationships. We have to make that extra effort to connect with our students, to connect with each other on a collegial level. Yes, our students have suffered, but so have our school staff. Our school staff are human. They're people first, and they've endured also hardships, losses. They're also dealing with their own anxieties related to whatever it is that they face. So making sure that we're also connecting with them is important. As a social worker, how did you find the balance? How were you able to connect with the clients, to connect with the families? I will tell you that my specific role right now and for the past 14, 15 years has been at the state level. So I don't necessarily have clients. My constituents are the LEAs and the field. I support them. And there's been a lot of connecting with individuals and supporting them in their roles. And so that's, I don't necessarily consider them my clients, but they are people that I'm serving in my role at the state. I think that I jumped ahead. <laughs> okay. I skipped talking about your professional life. So let's pedal back a little bit. Tell us about your professional life and also if being a woman and being a Latina had any impact in your professional life? Most definitely. I'll start with that. I picked this profession because I feel like I was a natural helper. As Latinas, that's sort of what our role is in our families. And being the youngest of seven children and also having a really big age gap between me and my oldest sister, there's 20 years in between. And then there's seven years in between my brother who precedes me and myself. And so he actually paved the way for me to go to college because he was the first in the family to get a bachelor's degree. I was being the youngest of seven children and having that age gap. Also, it meant that I also lived a life of like being an only child at one point because everybody had already left. And so I served a lot of times being that liaison between doctors and social services and my parents. And so I often was the translator. And I think that's just was a sort of a, a natural interest that I had that led me to this. And so I actually got my bachelor's also from Sac State and I was 24 when I finished. I know that normally people get their bachelor's at age 22. I took an extra couple of years because I really liked to work full time. And so I was trying to balance work and going to school. And uh, and then I landed a job out in Galt at a, uh, it's a small rural area right outside of Sacramento at the lower Southern part of Sacramento County. And so I started that job at age 25 and I was there for 12 years working in direct services. And I then had an opportunity to come to the state to actually administer the program that I had been working under. So for me, it was an honor. I, I was there in the field and now I was going to be able to see it from a different perspective at the macro level. That was right before the recession. And then the recession actually made that program go into tier three funding. And so it sort of went away. And then I was offered a position in the mental health program. And here I am 14 years later, I am now the administrator of the Office of School-Based Health Programs, which is a newly formed office. And I'm getting to build that office from scratch. So I'm getting to build a team. And I'm really excited about that opportunity because for a really long time, I'd been working by myself addressing the mental health needs of California students and at the state level. So that was always challenging. We 
are child welfare and attendance credential with different backgrounds. What should we be looking for if we need to get supports from your office that will help us to deal with mental health in the classrooms? Oh my goodness, we have so many programs that we're offering and that we're supporting, Ophelia. I'm really excited to tell you all about them because they are provided at no cost to LEAs. And we want more people to take advantage of this. So I'm so grateful for this opportunity to be able to share what we're offering there. We have the opportunity for middle and high school staff and students to take the Living Work Start online suicide prevention training. And that's a 90-minute interactive online asynchronous training that is allows for participants to really learn how to identify somebody who might be having suicidal ideation and then how to get help for them. The really neat thing about it is it helps people practice that very uncomfortable and awkward question of, are you thinking about suicide? Are you thinking about killing yourself? And it's an excellent training and it's available through December of 2022 at no cost for all middle and high school staff and students. And you don't have to do it all at once. You can break it up, but it, it's a great training to really give those skills and the, the practice. And even for those of us that have a mental health background, it's always good to come back and do a refresher. So how does it work with the students? Well, the students can access it. I'll give you all of the links and then you can share yeah, them yeah. with your group, but they can just simply click on, on a link. They check off like what county or what region they're in, and then they start the training. Now they can do it on their own, or they can also do it as part of the classroom assignment. It can be promoted through the schools. Yeah. But in that sounds than... quite interesting because those are difficult questions. And I would like to talk a little bit about how is it presented to the kids? If I'm a kid and I click to start my training, what am I going to go through? Like an outline or a little bit? Let me preface it all by saying that throughout the training, there's this button on there that says, if you need help, click here, because we recognize and the developers of this program, which is Living Works, recognize that some of the content could be triggering and it could be completed by a student who themselves could be experiencing suicidal ideation or behavior. And so what, what they do is they're able to go through some of the signs and symptoms of what emotional distress looks like or what some of the most common mental health issues are. And then there's these case scenarios, these little tiles that they can click on and they hear that person's story. And then there's some coverage about what do you do if a friend or somebody that you care about is thinking about suicide and it goes through some steps and some resources that you can help support that person. That's very powerful. As you speak, I begin to dream. We get training. Wouldn't it be great if we could have a connection so that we could get high quality and effective materials? This conversation is just enticing me to dream. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that your PSA counselors are so critical to getting the word out about all of these different programs and services because most schools don't have the luxury of having somebody to vet through different programs to see what's going to fit my population, my demographics, my needs, my staff. And so the PSA counselors can really look through all of these and say, okay, I want to start, we're going to be starting a new school year now. I think we're already starting to plan a professional development for next year. So what is what would that look like? Let's start with a trusted space. And actually, that's one of the programs that we offer 
offer a trusted space, which is for teachers and educators. And it actually was created at the onset of the pandemic because we were hearing from teachers and I didn't develop this. So this was developed by a third party, but I always refer to me precisely because of what I said earlier, that it's about relationships and we're working on this together. So I don't want to take any credit for the development of any of these resources. What my job is to make sure that I put these out to as many people as possible so that they can take advantage of this. So a trusted space was created at the onset of the pandemic because they were hearing from teachers that they couldn't keep track of the students, that there were a lot of students who were not checking in, that were not showing up. And teachers were worried, of course, naturally. What, where are my students? What's happening to them? And so a trusted space is a film-based program that includes a documentary about 43, 46 minutes long. And then it's also accompanied by a curriculum that can be implemented during staff meetings or any other PD opportunity. And then also a 20-minute PD video that, again, can be shown at a staff meeting. And it's all about building these safe and trusted spaces for students to unpack their feelings, whether it's about the pandemic or, you know, something that might be going on at home or something that can be going on at school that has them worried. And it's a place to go to voice your feelings without fear of judgment. I hear that. Our profession is very demanding. Yes. Social workers need to be up to date, need to take classes, need to get CEUs, and the salaries don't keep up with the inflation and all these situations that are impact us. Would you consider having trainings that have CEUs available for social workers, for child welfare and attendance counselors who need to have any of their licenses updated? Uh, is that a possibility to have that type of support? Yes, I'm glad that you bring that up, Ophelia, because that has been a life, I'll say a lifelong dream, even though it hasn't been all my life, but it's been <laughs> a dream of mine for a while now to be able to attach CEUs to some of these programs. But because I've been sort of a one-person program, it's been pretty impossible for me to try to do everything. And it, it's kind of an intensive project to write everything out for these CEUs, but absolutely. By creating this office, I'm going to be getting staff. And that's one of the things that I want the staff to work on is to make sure that we are providing some CEUs or and even credit for students. Because one of the things that I forgot to mention about that Living Work Start suicide prevention training is that students will get 90 minutes, I think, of a community uh, service hour credits for doing that. And that in of itself should be a good sort of carrot that we're dangling in front of, of students who are looking for those service hours. Monica, you are a very ambitious woman. <laughs> you are covering mental health, training the people who provide the services and also opening these new doors and these new access to students. How did you get this project started? How was that part born? Uh, which one? The office? The students. The students for the Living Works? Yes. What I hear is that you are providing services and opportunities to students as yes. much as you're providing to the mental health providers. Usually someone in your position, when they talk about mental 
mental health in schools, you go, okay, trainers here, you're going to train the people who provide the services. You're going to train the teachers. You're going to train administ administrators. But I don't hear that many that say, and now the students, we're going to open all these doors to students. So that tells me the qualifications that you have let you see the need and how to provide these services. And we do it and we've added this student piece recently. This hasn't been around for a long time. And it's because of what the research is telling us that students are turning to each other in times of need, that they're sharing their emotional distress with each other. And if we don't start educating them on how to respond or how to identify somebody who could be in eminent danger, then it could backfire on us. The program was created by a company, Living Works, that has over 35 years of experience in international suicide prevention. They are one of the leaders. So I'm a new child welfare and attendance counselor, and I'm starting my career and boom, the pandemic is here. What do you tell me? What's the advice that you give me? Let's take a look at all of these different resources that we have right here. And while you're reviewing some of these that might fit into what you're doing, let's take a look and see who's not showing up to class. Who's not showing up and what can we do to follow up? For sure. We are humans first. And that's what we need to recognize that even though we're social workers and counselors and we have this education and maybe even these innate skills that we have to make sure that we are okay first before serving other people because we may serve them in the wrong way. We have to make sure that we are in a good place. And it that requires a lot of checking in with yourselves. One of the things that, that the two wonderful presenters of our Kaiser Wellness, the Staff Wellness webinars do is every session they start off with, where are you? And they pop up a thing of emojis. Where are you? And I think that every time we move, we transition, we should recognize and check in with ourselves. Where am I right now? How, what am I feeling? Am I feeling frustrated? If I'm feeling frustrated and then I'm going to go and talk to a student, I better do something and take me time, which again, our presenters talk about taking that moment to maybe go outside and take a deep breath, grab some water, tur turn off the lights in your your office if you can. Take five minutes just to collect yourself so that you can then go into the next meeting with that probably vulnerable student and vulnerable family so that you can be at your best. What do we do to help all these mental health providers who end up at the end of the day feeling exhausted, feeling overwhelmed with that kid in their head that they have to help with that one family? What is going to happen? How are you going to help us to deal with all these feelings and to prevent burnout? Yeah, well, I recommend if you have not attended the Kaiser Staff Wellness Webinars to please take that time. They're an hour. Uh, we did a uh, webinar series of seven webinars and we're, we just got finished with the sixth one, but they're all recorded and they're all in a Google Drive. I will send that information to you, Ophelia, so you can share it with your PSAs and PSWs. But they're not the, you know, when we think of like wellness a lot of times we think about the manicures and the pedicures and the massages and all that. And sometimes there, I mean, I've met people who don't want anything to do with like, okay, let's breathe in and breathe out. And they're like, just don't waste my time with that. This is not what this staff wellness series is about. It is really about learning how to avoid or prevent burnout or get out of that burnout cycle. It's also about recognizing that everybody has different skills and honing in on those skills so that you can build a better team in-depth support More. we were the ones that followed up in that because oh, it. it would be it would be oh my gosh when i heard 
I I I have to recognize that full sites made were superhuman. You know what happens, Monica? That we had a pre-conversation yes. and I feel that we are on the same wave. And I hope that people who are listening to this podcast, I think that I haven't really introduced you properly and they don't exactly know where you work and what you do. <laughs> so I, I am realizing that I just continue the conversation and I'm in my own train of thought. So let's take a break right now. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> Monica Nepomucen, would yes. you please tell us what you currently do, what your position is, and yes. what it brings along? Absolutely. So I work for the California Department of Education in the student a service, a student support services branch. And within that branch, I am now a newly administrator for the Office of School-Based Health Programs. And so within that office, our right now I have one staff person who actually is in charge of scheduling and monitoring and administering the youth mental health first aid trainings, which I was doing by myself. So I am very relieved that I have her on my team. And in that office, what we're going to be doing is really supporting LEAs to build and, and maintain their school-based health programs, whether they're physical or mental health. We are going to be hiring a nurse consultant who is going to be advising and guiding school nurses throughout the state, again, on building and maintaining their health and school, school-based health programs. And we're also going to be hiring a consultant that specializes in Medi-Cal billing so that they're able to submit as many claims and the maximum amount of claims for reimbursement for providing services to Medi-Cal eligible and in Medi-Cal enrolled students. And we're also going to be hiring an SEL consultant that can is that's actually going to be focusing on professional development around SEL. And then there's going to be somebody who is going to replace me on what I was doing and doing all of these trainings and outreach and just liaison between different programs and different partners throughout the state. Because one of the things that not only was I working by myself, but I also didn't have a budget. And so I found myself like, okay, what do I do? I have to do something. And that's when I latched on to all of the different partners. And I said, all right, you don't know about schools, but you have something great that needs to be in schools and it's free. So let me introduce it to the schools. And that's how I just kind of have been, I've been functioning that way. And so that's why we're able to bring in like directing change, the NAMI on campus high school programs, angst in a trusted space, which were both, they were underwritten by the Department of Healthcare Services and also money from Blue Shield of California. And then just other different partners that I've been able to latch onto and just say, you need to be in schools. We're in this for the long run and we're in this to help each other. We are here not for selfish reasons. We are here for our students. And so whatever we can do to really partner and collaborate and get that stuff out, there's plenty of work, there's plenty of opportunities, and I'd be happy to share. And I see that is your mantra, collaborate, reach out, connect. And you do that all the time and you are very generous with your time. It is eight o'clock at night and here you are giving us advice and sharing your wisdom. We appreciate it. Monica, Pleasure. what is your last longing advice? It's not easy work, but it is rewarding. And latch on to people, people who've walked that road that you're walking right now, people who started that position that you're starting now, they started it 10, 20 years ago. Latch on to them and going to show your interest and your passion for helping students. For me, you remember 
remember that, I don't know, it was like maybe early 90s, that whole initiative of whatever it takes. It still resonates. It's whatever it takes. If it takes you driving a student to services, if it takes you have, being on at eight o'clock at night to make sure that your message is heard, if it takes you whatever it takes you to, to get those services for those students, if it takes you to reach out and call or email me and say, what do I do? Please, I am here to help and support in any way. And we have so many different programs that I wasn't able to describe, but we do have a, a sheet that describes all of this, the offerings that we have with all of the different links that I'll be sharing with you, Ophelia. And think about your population. As a new PSA or PSW, you're coming into this job. One of the first things that you need to do is look at the resources that are on your school site. Go to whatever tool that your district or your school uses to evaluate what's happening, to evaluate the needs of the students and the families and, and the staff, because like I said, we can't neglect our staff. And then see what matches to what those needs are. Yes. That would be my advice. And I don't really even like to see say advice because that would be just my suggestion and the information that I'm sharing. During our prior conversation, we were talking about how sometimes as women, we tend to be very critical and maybe because I am a Latina, my heritage also brings this be humble, no seas presumida, trabaja, do whatever it takes. And you said three words, three words that made my heart stop and feel happy and rejoice. I heard them before from Alicia Garupa mm. and these words mean the world. Would yeah. you please repeat them and elaborate? Absolutely. You are enough. No matter what you did today, you may have been going from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting. And at the end of the day, you sort of stop and you think about what did I really do today? And sometimes you don't see all of your accomplishments. So sometimes it's good to, to write them down because once you write them down, you start saying, wow, I did all that. And it's sort of a, a revelation to yourself, right? For many years, it when I was doing Project Cal Well with my partner, Hilva, we would have to write these end of the year reports. And I was like, well, I don't even know what I can report because I don't feel like I did anything. She's like, Monica, you did this and you did that and you did this. And then all of a sudden the list grew and grew and grew. And so that comes back to the, you are enough, no matter what you did today or what you didn't do today, you are enough. And as women, especially women of color, we sometimes have to work two or three times as hard. I hate to say that, but we do because there's something that we have to prove, whether it's because of just the institutionalized structure of things, whether it's the way that we were brought up, our mothers telling us, don't do this and don't do that. And you you were sharing, Ophelia, it's sort of like, I don't think our mothers felt this way, but that's the message that we received of you're not good enough. And so now we have to shift to that paradigm and we have to tell ourselves and we have to tell each other, you are enough. So I leave you with that message you are enough. No matter what you did or didn't do, close that computer, repeating those words to yourself. I am enough. And celebrate your accomplishments. Right. <laughs> While still doing that, right? Yes. <laughs> and 
And before you leave, Monica, our, our program is called Our Voices, Our Dreams, Our Wellness. What does your voice say? What are your dreams and how do you take care of your wellness? My voice says there's a lot of work to do, but we are all in this together and we should really be propping each other up and holding each other's hands to do this work. Our voice also says, or my voice also says, children matter in the state that they're in right now. Whether it's a great state or whether it's a messy state, an imperfect state, whatever state they are, even those ones that sort of kind of crawl under our skin, right? I don't know what to do with this child. I don't know what to do with the student. I don't know how to help them because maybe they're quote unquote misbehaving. We need to appreciate even that because that's an opportunity to learn from them. They come to us with their experiences and we can learn from them. And my dream, gosh, I, I hadn't really thought about this, but my dream is to be able to, to have schools that have, that are so nurturing that students don't want to leave, that students want to continue after school activities, that they are so connected to the teachers and the, the, and the staff there, that they want to do other things that are part of that community. And then our, our wellness, well, I'm going to be totally transparent. I'm not very good at that. <laughs> I'm not very good at that, but I will say that since I do have that new staff member who's taking over YMHFA, I no longer have a night job uh, because that's what I was doing in the evening is scheduling and submitting invoices and all that stuff is that now I've actually started cooking again. I love to go on walks with my husband, my girls, my dog, and, and just taking those me moments, even if it's five, 10 minutes of just being alone with my thoughts and knowing that the work that I've done today is good enough. I will never have enough words to say how much I appreciate it. And most important, how much help you're bringing to the APSAC members. So thank you so much. I am very proud of you, Monica. Thank you for your time. And we'll be back very soon. Thank you, Ophelia. I'm proud of you too and everything that you're doing now. And for me, it's been an honor to be here. And absolutely, I welcome uh, any collaboration. I did not know that I was having, that what we were putting out there was having such a wide reach and such an impact. And that, that makes me proud. So thank you so much. Thank you. Good night. Gracias, Ophelia. Adios. Muchas gracias, Monica. Buenas noches.